0: Wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to B Q and a This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. Minister to the Brighton, a Seventh-day Adventist church in this beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for joining uh, with us. This week, uh, we're looking at the Bible and contemporary world religious trends, and we're asking what impact has culture had on biblical morality? Uh, Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginals Seventh Day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric.
1: Yeah, good to be here once again, Gary. Tuesday seems to roll around quicker than ever.
0: I tell you what, I can't believe it. You know, I was actually in one of the shops the other day and I actually noticed that there's actually some Christmas decos starting to appear in the shops. Can you actually believe it? Have you seen any Christmas decos yet?
1: I have. And I tell you what too, Gary, something that really excites you is that Daylight Saving, I think, is starting next week. My whole oh, friend. Wash your,
0: wash your <laughs> mouth out. Wash <laughs> your mouth out, my friend. I tell you what. Look, I'm finding it so glorious at the present time to be <laughs> walking in the light and then I've got to go back to walking in the dark. <laughs> I envy my mates up in Queensland. I tell you what, um that decision they took years ago uh to uh to to skip daylight robbery, I felt <laughs> as I was a wise decision way back then, but you've got a huge grin on your face. You're rejoicing and uh, may the lord may the lord bless you. Um uh, but Dad uh, Eric tell us something. Uh, long weekend. Uh, it's coming up here in uh, South Oz uh, this weekend. Are you doing anything special?
1: Yeah, well, normally when it's a long weekend and an extra day is holiday, we normally get the family together either on the sun on the Sunday or the Monday, and uh, we usually get together and have a barbecue down at one of the local parks. There, let the grannies run around, play a bit of cricket. I enjoy getting out there with a bat and ball. And uh,
0: so, are you a batsman or a bowler? Well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> neither really, but it's just fun to be out there, and the the grannies are growing up a bit bigger now, where they can join in
0: which is really
1: good yeah. but a really good family time just you know, hopefully the weather will be good and it's just getting out into the open there's a benefit
0: with it. having four children isn't there it is, it <laughs> right is. how many sure. grandchildren do you have
1: uh, well it's it's ended up at nine there'll be no more so nine it is there'll be no, yeah, more, but no more that's
0: a lovely number that's that really is It means when yeah. you all get together you genuinely have a have a genuinely uh, large crowd well, of people uh, you've actually got enough for a, for a cricket team
1: well it's funny Gary you look back and you, you know you've got your three boys and a girl and you never think that one day it, the family would grow to this big you know and, yeah, thing. and yeah. you're
0: a recent granddad so you yeah, know it's, right. it's going to grow yeah 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 no an incredible an incredible blessing uh, but look tell us something what are your favourite destinations here in South Oz well I
1: like we like going to Goa. Uh, I like doing a bit of fishing down there, but that's quite a nice spot, and there's a beautiful bakery down there that we know as well. Yeah. Uh, that's one of our favourite spots. I like to actually go up, um, you know, we went to Handorf the other day, and that was good, but into the Barossa and some of those German towns up there. Have you been through Seppardsfield?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those that? German towns in the Barossa Valley are incredibly, and, and you can actually really enjoy yourself even without drinking uh, all the, the produce in that <laughs> particular. You don't drink the produce, do you, Eric?
1: No, when we first came over here, you you know, we thought we'd go through a tour on the in the Barossa, and we got onto this van and found out it was a wine tour. <laughs> but uh, the food was very nice, but <laughs> I didn't have any of the drink. But um, you know, if you go into the Seppersfield, people who may not know that, but there's these beautiful big palm trees that were planted. Yeah. Have you seen them? The big, yeah. the rows and rows of yeah. them. Yeah. And there's a big um, what do you call it? A family monument up there. Yeah. Up on the side there, the original family that was up there. It's a beautiful spot to visit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a sunny place. It's a beautiful part of the part of the world. Down, uh, down this mm-hmm. part of the world. Uh, but look, let's come to our uh, to our World Watch segment. Uh, look, just on uh, the Christian Headlines uh, website uh, today, um, picked up uh, an article. It was uh, entitled It's Our Responsibility to Teach Our Children Wisdom. Now, I'd just like to, I, I tried to pick some parts out of this article that I could share, but in the end I sort of thought, oh, I'm going to share the whole thing, because this article is just too good. It'll take two or three minutes, but it really says some, some powerful material. Uh, it's our responsibility to teach our children wisdom. And I'll, I'll get your feedback on it in a minute, uh, Eric. As our children, and of course this is written from an American uh, perspective, as our children begin a new school year and in America, that's what it is at the present time, I'm sure you're aware that the anti-Christian bias in our schools today, our secular humanists want to remove all mention of God from the ed- educational curricula, which eliminates wisdom, it says, from education and leaves only knowledge. So who will teach our children wisdom? Who will teach them about the word of God and things like truth, purity, integrity, morality and honesty? The answer, parents and guardians. Uh, Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. And yes, we need an education to advance in this world. But uh, the scriptures say uh, by wisdom, the house is built and by understanding, it is established. We're to raise our children in the ways of God's wisdom. Why? Because knowledge isn't enough we' We're involved in a spiritual battle, and our children are right in the center of it right in the center of it as our culture is in conflict with the ways of God and the Word of God. There is no room for passive parents or guardians in this generation. Parents and guardians who don't want to confront the issues, who aren't involved, who don't discipline, who don't want to, who want to be their child's best friend rather than their protector are making a mistake. We must commit to being parents and guardians who will make a difference by imparting wisdom into the lives of our children. Wisdom is the practical and spiritual application of knowledge. We train up our children in wisdom by teaching them how to apply the facts uh, to life and to work. This doesn't mean we have to be drill sergeants shouting orders. Rather, it means we must be actively involved in the relationship, in the rules and in the rewards. I'm not saying we shouldn't discipline our children. We should establish firm, age-appropriate guidelines for our children. Correction and consequences are part of parenting. However, we must be very careful not to break our child's spirit by constantly finding fault, nagging and criticising. When it comes to discipline, we're to be reasonable, right, respectful and real. Yet many kids are hassled and provoked because their parents or guardians worry about things that really don't matter in the light of eternity. Some parents are more interested in pushing their kids to the top of the success ladder at school, in athletics or in the arts rather than seeing them grow spiritually. We should never push our children to succeed because of our own failures. Nor should we use our children to compete against others. Parents and guardians, your children are looking to you for an example. All the limits in our activities in the world can equal a big zero without leadership. We must set an example for our children through our personal habits, our work ethic, our spiritual life, our service to others and so much more. Leading with God's wisdom Is what will make an eternal difference in the life of children. We do this by talking about our faith with them and by sharing our love of God in our day to day life. Children can spot a phony from miles away, even if that phony happens to be parent or guardian. They know if we're simply saying something or if we really believe what we say. We shouldn't be afraid to admit our mistakes and to ask for God's help in front of our children. In fact, some of the most powerful words that our children may ever hear us say are, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. We live in a cynical and judgmental world. And because of that, we need to teach our children about grace and forgiveness. We should also speak words of promise into our children's ears. We help children understand and raise to their place in God's kingdom when we say, you're a promise from God. You have amazing potential. You are a gift from God. We should never stop telling our children that we love them. As a parent or guardian, blessing your child is one of the most important callings you could have. Take the time today to study and know your child. Uh, Look into your child's eyes and seek your child's heart. Don't let the days and years get away from you without speaking words of blessing. My parents never read a book on how to parent their child. I don't think they ever attended a seminar. My dad had an eighth grade grade education, but they made incredible difference in my life and in my brother's life. How? Because they didn't just tell us what they believed, but they showed us. One of the big responsibilities in training up our children is to prepare them for life and then to protect them in the midst of life. Nothing happens more in this generation than that our children would find their refuge, salvation and security in Christ. Uh, you know, as I read that, I sort of thought, hey, that's an incredibly powerful message that uh, certainly I think any parent uh, could certainly relate to. H- how did you find it, Eric? Yeah, it's very interesting, wasn't it,
1: reading some of these uh, thoughts because a lot of what's uh, some of the stuff that's down here was different to the way back then when you used to be disciplined pretty hard with the strap and. Yeah it was yeah. pretty full on yeah. uh, i still remember the pain of some of those cuts <laughs> and particularly at school but i think the big thing that stood out of me in the, in the whole of this was have been involved actively involved in a relationship with our children yeah i think that's really key you know there's been times in my life when I was too busy working uh, trying to make a living that I missed out on a bit of that yeah. and to make up for it at other times is really important and uh, and also th- being an example to them um i know that with um honesty and trust and and just treating people in the right way if you don't show that to your children the way you treat them uh then they're not going to ex- you know they they can actually um uh, mirror what their parents are saying to them.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah. And I've seen that. You know, it's interesting uh, when it talked about the spiritual side of it. Um, my son's moving to a different area and uh, there's three schools there, two Christian, one not. And they, he was saying to one of his workmates that he was thinking of going to the school and he said, oh, but they they you know teach Christianity there. And, and my son said, well, that's what I want. I want that to my child. And to this other person, it was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, in many schools, it's not Christianity, so it has to be from the home, and it's got to be an example of trust and having that relationship with the children. So they'll actually listen to you. It's like with God. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a relationship with God to uh, to um, trust him, and your children have to trust you and those early years are the most
0: important. Yeah, yeah. Really I, I'm important. I'm really pleased actually to pick up that point about relationship because that is actually so so key. I'm really I'm really conscious that that actually involves a thing called time. And yeah. uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the things I, I remember years ago, and uh, I think um, counsellors have stopped doing this now, but I can well remember attending a uh, a conference where uh, people were you know we were encouraged you know um, make sure you spend quality time with your with your children mm. and uh, then uh, then the person then continued by talking and what they said was one of the real challenges with having quality time is that it actually can't be programmed because often parents will say hey you know I'm going to have Quality time uh, mm. with with my children, and I'll set aside a you know seven o'clock in the evening. But of course, uh, for the children, seven o'clock in the evening they're they're tired, and you mm. know it seems that those opportunities come up uh, with monotonous regularity. Uh, but when those opportunities actually come up to be able to to sit down and talk and to share, um, to me, uh, I. I still think some of the most precious memories I've got, certainly as a, as a father, is just sitting, being able to chat and share uh, with, uh, with my children. And
1: well, I remember, you know, one of the things that sticks in my mind from when I was a, a little nipper was uh, when I used to play rugby. And, um, you know, I was about five stone seven, I think I was, a little wee tiny fella. And uh, I remember my dad being on the sideline and I remember the feeling I had of of seeing him there and looking for him and seeing yeah, that he was there. Yeah, yeah. And those are the important times to be there you know, to make that time and understand how important yeah. it is to the child. Yeah. And sometimes we can miss that. Yeah. We think we'll do that later. But to be there at those times, it creates those memories and yeah. things, you know. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's so true what you're actually saying mm-hmm. there, uh, Eric. But I really appreciate that particular article because to mm-hmm. me it talked about the importance of relationship but also the importance of uh, challenging our young people spiritually. Uh, and that is caught more than being taught, and uh, to me, I, I really appreciate everything that uh, this article did. Actually, say, look, guys, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Michael Card. Uh, love this uh, this particular uh, rendition of uh, of the song. It's uh, it's El Shaddai. Uh, it's a song certainly from a, a few years back, uh, but uh, love uh, Michael's rendition.
2: El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El not Adonai Age to age you're still the same By the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erecham Kana Adonai we will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham. And by the power of your hand, you turn the sea into dry land. To the outcast on her knees You were the God who really sees And by your might You set your children free El Shaddai, El Shaddai Near, though the people failed to see what Messiah ought to be, though your word contained the plan, they just could not understand that your most awesome work was done through the frailty of. Your son, El, should die. El should die. El, Ellyana, Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same.
0: Singing "El Shaddai, my Lord, my Provider," uh, what a beautiful uh, song that uh, that really is, and uh, uh, really appreciate uh, all that uh, that song does actually mean. Look, guys, we do have some uh, a, a giveaway for you today. Uh, we've got the uh, the book uh, "Grounds for Belief." Uh, now, this is uh, this is written by Ed Dickinson, and uh, he is a great preacher. ...and a great teacher. Uh, it's called Grounds for Belief. Uh, times change. It's not your daddy's world anymore, as uh, says the uh, front cover. Uh, today, we live in a decentralised, media-dominated, postmodern world. The internet enables the exchange of ideas and information... ...unimagined by previous generations. Facts and opinions bombard us via email, cell phones, iPods, satellite TV but we're more connected electronically than ever before. But more of us feel isolated and lacking in close friends. Is there such a thing as truth anymore? Can we tell who is telling the truth? Ed Dickerson thinks we can. He specializes in making Christianity accessible to the contemporary audience. Like the Apostle Paul, he says, I'd rather say five words that everyone can understand and learn from what I say than 10,000 that sounds uh, like gibberish. This is a powerful book. It's entitled Grounds for Belief. And now look, if you'd like uh, your own, your own copy of Grounds for Belief, please, uh, just, uh, uh, text us. Now just text us here at the studio and, uh, you need to text us, uh, to the number 04 That number again is 04 80811. And look, all you need to say in your text, uh, is this code, SA for South Australia, 18. That's all you need to say. SA eighteen. And uh, uh your your text will go straight to our uh lovely robot. He's a friendly robot and uh he'll get all the he'll flick back at you uh and uh he'll text you and he'll ask you for the information that we need uh so that we can get this uh, this book to you. Uh so just SA eighteen to our text number. That number is O four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven, 11 and uh, we will uh, get that book to you in the uh, in the fastest uh, possible uh, possible manner. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM, uh, Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric Ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, this week uh, we're looking at the Bible and contemporary world religious trends. We're asking today what impact has culture had on biblical morality and by biblical morality here of course we're talking the really big uh, uh, morality here we're not talking about uh, uh, just about sexuality we're talking about truth and uh, we're we're talk- there is so much that comes into this issue of biblical morality that we want to dig into today uh, has culture changed biblical morality eric Help us out on this one.
1: Well, this is an interesting one, Gary, because as we look around the world, it's been shown that nations um, are potentially facing a moral freefall, unthinkable to earlier generations, With the majority of people today no longer… Embrace their values and they take their instructions from the word of God. Yeah, um, uh, you know, no respect for the rule of law we see today, you know, the sanctity of life, um, traditional sexual um, morality uh, when facing moral issues. You know, it's interesting to know that the the culture, uh, the word culture means a customs and ideas, social behavior of particular people or society. It's interesting too to note that that for the so- several last decades it's been common to hear America described as a post-Christian nation. Uh, this does not mean that America can never turn back to some of its Christian roots. Rather it means that what used to be Christian-based cultural norms they're no longer norms today.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And this is the problem, and it's happening in in all our countries. You know, uh, the implications of this are massive mm-hmm. because they're not actually taking um, the they're not actually taking uh, their moral fibre from the Bible. But more, it's a result of what they can do, what people can do in their lives, and they get their advice, not
0: from the Bible, but from themselves, from their friends or somewhere else. Yeah, no, look, I I appreciate what you're saying there. I'm so conscious that uh, a little while ago there was this expression, YOLO, Y-O-L-O, which of course was an abbreviation form of you only live once. And uh, of course, once you adopt the, the view that you only live once, then you very quickly jump into well let's eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die so we might as well enjoy what we've actually got occurring here but of course you know if you come to the scriptures the scriptures give a totally different worldview, and it says hey you're not just going to live once, there is actually something beyond this particular existence uh, there is something that is very real beyond this existence and you know to me as I, as I look at this I say hey there is actually a an underlying belief that is developing a culture that is actually undermining uh, certainly a great deal of that which Christianity had actually built up. Mm. Well the culture of the
1: Bible when you look at it is actually based on the Ten Commandments. And a lot of people today think that the Ten Commandments have been done away with. You know, that's old hat. Um, that's old hat. Yeah. And when God said He came to fulfil the law, uh, what He meant was I came to show to keep it. Uh, he said, "I,", I you know, uh, and He did that. He showed us, you know. But the very first commandment said, "You shall have no other gods before Me." And, and you know, some people think, "Well, they're pagan gods." These are got. We don't worship idols. You know, you go into a different country and you can see the idols there. You, you know, you see them in the malls and everywhere over in the Asian countries. But I think that shifted. I think that shifted now. It's not the primary challenge to this law that. God's telling us about, although it can still be a problem, the primary challenge to God's command to have no other gods is ourselves and our materialistic stuff, the stuff we get, we mm. have around us. And we, by rejecting God's standards of morality, we have in sense placed ourselves in authority above him, thinking that that you know, we want things for ourselves. We've also placed our materialistic pursuits of pleasure over God and His laws. And that's what's happened in the world today. When you look and see the trend that's come through, you can see such a huge shift in a way. In fact, if you stand up for the Bible and what it teaches, often that you're you're shot down because it's not politically correct to stand yeah, up for a lot yeah, of these things. Yeah, you're in yeah, the minority yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas years back you know, you, yeah. you you
0: could stand on well. Those. Certainly, the thing I'm conscious of is that certainly even amongst churches, there was a mm. time when uh, you know churches had uh, significant differences in their in their underlying beliefs. But there were some things that most certainly Christian churches were relatively united on. You know, they were united that you know Jesus Christ. Uh, had come to this earth for a particular purpose. Mm. They were united on the issue that was uh, of of sin, that people were sinners. Now, mm. okay, the, the understanding of sin did differ between uh, various churches but it was a common consensus that uh, you and me have a common problem and that problem is in fact the problem of, of sin and that uh, what we've got is an eternal God. We've got Jesus Christ actually came to deal uh, with that particular problem. Mm. But uh, I'm conscious that even churches have actually moved away yes. uh, from those particular foundations now, and that to me is something as I, as I look at it it is actually a changing you know, the scriptures themselves haven't changed, mm. but certainly that many the Christians' understanding of the scriptures appear to be changing
1: yes, and those commandments have you if you took those commandments out of the Bible. Uh, what will we actually be standing on? That's what I look at. I mean, the whole world knows that, um, you know, murder's wrong, uh, all these things, but it's actually comes from the Bible. The Bible is the source for that. And we live in such a cruel world today where, um, things have moved on so, so much that the belief in God has diminished in many people's hearts so they don't take the instructions of the bible you know you'd you'd used to be able to say you know the truth is in the bible but their eyes aren't open that the bible talks that has been a dark place that they will not actually comprehend the light because their minds are elsewhere. They are seeking their sources from elsewhere. It's interesting that um, the, the Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy 3. It says here that in the last days there will be perilous times. Men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, holy. There's a whole lot of thing here without self-control, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So therefore, they're looking for the pleasure of this world instead of seeing the necessities of life from the Bible, yeah. which is so right. And you and I, it's been interesting that when a person is born again, when they come from those places they were and find the peace that Jesus gives us, then there is a, a dynamic shift into, the, into their um, core beliefs because now they're not listening to their mates and they're not listening to the bottle or whatever it was. They now have a source of strength.
0: It's it's actually called a biblical worldview. In other words, uh, the way that a biblical Christian actually perceives and looks at the world is actually different to that which is common amongst the the general secular uh, population. Because, uh, you know, a a Bible-believing Christian will actually say, hey, there is a thing called the the supernatural God, Mm -hmm. he does exist. Now, you know, that is actually a fundamental difference uh, between uh, certainly the Bible-believing Christian and the secular man because once you accept that particular assumption, and it, it, it certainly is based on I believe an assumption that has evidence behind it, and, and there is significant evidence behind it, mm-hmm. um, and particularly when you move into the prophetic, uh, prophetic word of, uh, of scripture. It's when you move into that, uh, that worldview, that biblical worldview that everything else does actually change because your assumptions have actually changed. But
1: don't you think, Gary, that what's happened, um, it, it, you know, in quite a short time really there there now has been a, a shift within the christian world of standing solidly on the advice and the law of the bible the you know the instructions that are given that that uh, give us freedom, that there's been a dynamic shift away from from uh, upholding those things. Like, uh, you're talking about the secular man, you were mm. talking about difference between a Christian, but don't you think also within Christianity there's been a weakening, a moving away now. I mean, some of the things back when I remember when I used to go to church that were so strong you don't hear about them anymore, that things are passed away. Oh, actually, I think
0: you've actually nailed, hit the nail on the, on the head on that particular one, Eric. You know, one of the, the surveys that i'm really conscious mm. of uh, just uh, uh, a little while ago I, I became conscious of the american worldview inventory now this was done um in 2020 about about 12 12 months ago uh, this was done by the cultural research center at arizona christian university and you can pick it up uh, if you simply type in uh, arizona christian university cultural research center and there's a lot of uh, uh research findings it's done by dr george barner at that uh, that Particular university. Um, but, uh, this survey was entitled, uh, um, uh, survey finds America's traditional uh, moral pillars are fading away and of course what's true in America is also true here in uh, here in Oz uh, and it says this uh, this nation is facing a potential moral freefall unthinkable to earlier generations uh, with the majority of people today no longer embracing values of honesty respect for the rule of law sanctity of life and traditional sexual morality when facing moral issues now this is this is really significant because this is applying not just as you correctly say to the secular person out there but as you you've pointed out but also even within the church itself uh, this has actually, uh, changed. Now, I'm really interested in some of the things that they've actually picked up on here, um, because uh, these are values that were certainly taught. They were sought, I can remember going to Sunday school, uh, at the local Methodist church there in Sydney, uh, years ago. And of course, in the the Methodist Sunday school back in the 1960s, I know that's a long, long time ago, but uh, certainly they, they taught. There wasn't a lot of, of theology, uh, in it, but they certainly spoke uh, about uh, the the importance of the um, uh, of honesty and respect for for the law, and uh, you know the, these issues were 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 issues that were actually discussed and talked about. Um, but I'm so conscious that there's actually been, as you correctly point out, a downplaying in even these issues because the survey does actually tell us that even amongst Christians, the high regard. For these, for these things, is actually falling away.
1: That's true. I read the same article, actually, Gary, and I found it very interesting uh, because it actually had a few scenarios. Like, for instance, it had one here. It kind of made me think of... I love
0: others. these scenarios. Though. I thought these were <laughs> great.
1: Uh, one of them was not repaying a small amount of money borrowed from a relative because the relative just hasn't bought it up, hasn't mentioned now, it. Now, these were
0: scenarios that mm. the, surveyors, the survey people actually put to... Uh, religious, religious, and non-religious uh, people, and this one, just tell us that what that
1: one yeah. was again. Well, this one is uh, the first scenario: was not repaying a small amount of money borrowed from a relative because a relative hasn't mentioned repaying it and doesn't need the money, but your friend does. So, what what's your moral uh, stand on that? Do you um oh keep that in mind and pay your relative back even though he doesn't need it, or do you actually shift it on to a friend? Uh, who does actually need it. So what's the moral- morality in that? And it's interesting that the survey, uh, this is the most clear-cut one out of all of them uh, in the minds of those who took part in the survey. In total, 6 out of 10 adults, 61% stated that the intentional
0: failure to repay the loan was morally unacceptable. Okay, but that still mm. means that 4 out of 10 mm. actually didn't have a real problem with uh, with keeping the money. That's right. You're right. So, you know, there's a,
1: a, a difference there also. Uh, and it's interesting because it depends on on, on your mind and what's right and what's wrong. Because really when you think about it humanly, you would think, okay, this person, I borrowed $20 from you, Gary, and you're doing pretty good. You know, you're living a good life. But I've got a friend over here that needs 20 and I'll give him the 20 and you haven't brought it up to me. So, so you know, I might have thought you've forgotten it. And I can get away with it. So that really is… But, but isn't that
0: clever business?
1: Well, in the human mind, it probably is in a way. If you're not going to bring it up, oh, why should I pay you back? That's the way I would think humanly on it. Yeah. But morally and standing by what God says yeah. about not owing anybody anything… This would mean then that, no, I would pay you back because that's the right thing to do.
0: In other words, morally and ethically, Mm. uh, according to, to the scriptures, you know, I'm actually duty bound to fulfill my word and to repay that particular debt mm. uh, I mean I can remember just the, uh, the number of articles i 've actually read in the, certainly the, the local newspaper about uh, this exact type of type of situation and the conflict within families that 's developed when one member has taken advantage of somebody else in the family. you know families have become incredibly dysfunctional over this particular uh, type of type of issue
1: yes, and it 's interesting that um, often. Uh, the survey pointed out that often when you um, are looking at some of these issues, you the most people actually um, acted on the way they felt for themselves first. Yeah, yeah. Um, Second, it would be by asking a friend close to them. And thirdly, it was actually um, talking to the family about it but the first one was themselves uh, this is what the Bible here this text and in other words and they're making were.
0: decisions based on personal feeling yes and uh, you know if they happen to feel good before uh, towards you mm. you might get your money back if they're not feeling good towards you well you your money takes a uh, takes a wander
1: yeah and where they seek their advice on is actually what what their conscience is telling them themselves but secondly then it comes to the friends around them for advice if something goes wrong in their life and yeah. the, the Bible,
0: uh, the spiritual side, was was quite well down on some of these issues. In other words, what's actually lacking here is a clear moral direction in individuals' minds, saying, "Hey, this is wrong. Thou shalt not steal is wrong. Therefore, this is what I actually need to do." Now, you know, this is one of the real challenges. I'd suggest to you, um, you know, could this be one of the real problems with our whole political scene at the present time? Because uh, it's it's very easy uh, within a uh, a political uh, within the political juggernaut, uh, to simply do what is the uh, you know the, the the politically astute thing to do, uh, rather than what is the morally correct thing uh, to well, actually do. Well,
1: what really bothered me in the last few weeks was just something that happened politically when our prime minister uh, you know shook hands and did a deal with France on these submarines and then changed it around and did a deal with a couple of other countries, Britain and America, and dropped the other one. And, and um, France is very angry with that. Well, you know, that to me shook hands. They, they signed the agreement, and then a couple of weeks later he changed it and went with another couple of countries. Now, that sends out a, a signal, doesn't it, mm. that uh, can you trust somebody that does it even, you know, like um, there doesn't seem to be a standard here. If you know what I mean, it it just really bothered me that. Even though it might have been something that might be better for the country, it just didn't seem right, doesn't sit right that you would treat somebody like that in such a big area. I think one commentator wrote this, and I think it's very good. He said, there is a general lack of consciousness of God, which leads to a decreased reverence for God, which in turn leads to the rejection of concepts like the way we act in our lives the decisions that we make there mm. is a, a lack of a, of a reverence for god that in parts into our thinking when we make decisions. Now, we're not talking about just being at church yeah. and looking good at church. We're talking about our everyday life when we're not at church, when God can see our
0: actions. This is basic you morality. Know? Like, I mean, I suppose, you know, traditionally we would have talked about these, you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, and, and when you look at them, you sort of turn around and say, well, these are actually incredible common sense here, you know. Honor your father and your mother. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a clear statement, um, you know. Thou shalt not kill. You know, you shall not commit adultery. Shall not steal. Hey, you know, to me, these, these commandments actually protect me, um, as much as they, uh, as much as they protect the next fellow. Because, hey, you know, that bit of stuff that's in my shed at home, I like to, to think that it would actually be there when I, uh, go to, go to actually use it. You know, I want to actually be able to protect, you know, this, there is actually, if you like, there is a, a selfish benefit in following these commandments, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I, I just wonder if we ha- haven 't actually really missed something today by moving on from the this what 's called the moral law in in scripture but Eric look let's have a little bit of a, a break if we uh, if we can look let's come to some uh, so, some music this is uh, Jeremy Seneco and uh, the song is uh, someone is praying for you
3: In the midst of the storm Is here a shift, Tossed and battered Are you weary and worn Don't lose hope Someone's praying for you This very day And peace be still Is already Your name to serve.
0: that is jeremy Seneco. Uh, someone is Praying for, uh, for you. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful, uh, song that, uh, that really is. Uh, look, guys, just, uh, a quick reminder again. We do have the, uh, our giveaway book, our giveaway books entitled Grounds for Belief by Ed Dickinson. Now, Ed Dickinson is a really, a uh, top rated, um, top notch, top shelf, uh, presenter. His material is always, uh, really appreciated. Now, uh, this book, uh, entitled Grounds for Belief, it speaks to our contemporary world. Now, look, you'll really love this, this particular book. If you'd like a copy of it, uh, that number again is 04-888-808-11. 04-888-11. Eight oh eight eleven, and look, all you need to do is to text us now. Just text us with the uh, with the code S A eighteen S A the for South Australia one eight, um, and uh, you'll be contacted by a robot, and uh, he'll just ask you the uh, the questions that uh, that we need to be able to get uh, get this book uh, directly uh, to you by the fastest a uh, possible uh, possible means. Uh, you'll love this uh, this particular book. That number again is o four triple eight eight oh eight 11. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, this week we're looking at uh, the Bible and contemporary world religious trends and we're asking what impact has culture had on biblical morality. Now uh, Eric, look, let's come come back to you again on this particular question. Now look, um, throughout your life, I mean, you're a person who has uh, you know, you've, you've lived um, according to uh, biblical morality. Now look you can look back now through um, 80 or 90 years, um, not quite, but uh, you can look back uh, over a long a long period.' You're, you've been retired for uh, for a few years now, although you do do some part-time uh, part-time ministry. but look, do you feel that following biblical morality has been beneficial to you or has it been drudgery? oh by the grace of god um
1: it's been so wonderful you know i i, th- I often wondered and think back to where i'd be today if um you know if uh, i hadn't accepted god into my life when he was calling and he called many times i've been back to the place where i used to work and uh, um, some of my old mates are still there it's just amazing to go back and mm. see them there to think of where you are and of course what happens is when you accept christ into your life um, you're, you, it's a new life. It's being born again, but it's a shifting away from your values that, that I found really important. And, um, my children, even though they meant a lot to me back then, actually means, means more in a Christian walk because yeah. they, to me, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, the way I treat them. Yeah. And that makes a big difference to me because, um, it's, uh, it's a whole change in life and, and movement. Um, It's interesting, Pastor Gary, that um, one psychologist actually uh, once uh, put something out, which I found very interesting. He said, um, if you or I had fallen asleep in 1960 and woken up in the year 2000, you would have found that the level of depression had soared 10 times more than the pre-World War II rates of depression. Wow. The way the world is moving away from God. These are some of the things that are happening. It's said that the divorce rate would have doubled if you'd woken up, you know, uh, 40 years later, um, from 1960 to 2000. There would have been a quadrupled rate of reported violent crime. Uh, uh, there would have been a um, uh, quintuplet of Amount of people in the prison, it would have just soared through that time mm. if you'd fallen asleep and woken up, and that's what happens when the moral- morality. There's no line drawn in the sand that what the Bible has put out, which is actually found in Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. It says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction." For instruction and mm. in righteousness, that the man may be perfect, thoroughly furnished all good. So it's the instruction of the Bible. The words are living; that's in the Bible. Yeah. It's a spirit of God, and when that comes into somebody's life, when you're open to that and receive the light, then you give light to others, even though we're still sinners. We have the blessing and the grace of Jesus Christ but all these statistics show that the world is deteriorating but there will be a remnant of people and the study went on to say that a nominal Christians are leaving they're either leaving churches because they're this weakened. is this is
0: actually a really interesting study actually Eric because I'm I'm certainly aware of it mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it is it is powerful in what it actually, what does it actually say to us
1: It says here that uh, what's happening this is actually in america
0: because they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they do far more of this research work than what yeah. we do here in oz and it says
1: that recent scholarly studies indicate that nominal christians declining as a percentage of the population what they're doing they're either leaving christianity altogether or they're actually switching to churches that proclaim the bible as the word of god that stand for something so what's happening is that um if if They've they've weakened and and they've moved away from God. Then they they'll either leave or something. The Holy Spirit will awaken them up and they will actually move into an area of going to a church that actually studies the Bible and takes that into their lives. And the interesting thing, Pastor Gary, is that. There is a remnant in the Bible, that the Bible, and now the remnant is... Just, just define, what is yeah, that? Yeah, it's a group of people that, it's you know, you buy a roll of carpet, and, and mm. the majority of the carpet's gone. There's a remnant left over. That remnant is the basis core of the belief that has carried on through
0: time. And, of course, this is something that is actually... Flows right through Scripture, isn't it? You know, continually you actually see, you know, see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the in the uh, the days of the apostles and disciples, uh, and then you see it right through. And it's even spoken about in our era. And mm. that is that's connected so much to Bible belief. In other words, that there seems to be a direct connection to between this the the if you like the remnant appears to be. A group of people who are prepared to say, "We'll take the Bible, the Bible alone, and the Bible." Alone. Yeah,
1: it's actually found in Genesis forty five seven. Says, "God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land, and to keep you alive by a great deliverance." And as many texts on the reverence uh, on on the remnant, Romans eleven four and five says. What is God's reply to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. So these were people who weren't bowing down to the other gods. Mm. And so throughout time there is a remnant, people who will stand on the word of God, whose character reflects God's character, reflects who God is. God's law is in their heart and mind. That's what it's talking about here. Mm. And that's a really positive thing that right through time time and now this is on the narrow road that we talked about the other
0: I, I really appreciate what you're actually saying here Eric you know uh, to me as I sort of look at even uh, you know I mean for example Galatians Galatians 5 mm. um, you know you get this yeah. uh, this picture of um, when I've accepted Jesus Christ I receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, and then uh, Galatians chapter five twenty two says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, you know, and it goes on, and it's speaking about the fruit that that which comes into the life of the believer are these things. And I I sort of look at it, and I I know I've ministered to so many people and I've seen so many of the the struggles that people actually go through. Uh, Many of them are actually, actually come, unfortunately... As a result of their own actions, you yeah. know uh, they sort of. Uh, why? Why is this happening to me, Pastor? Well, uh, you know, if you stand out in the middle of a a driveway, you might get hit with a car. Yeah, and um, that's yes. the that's the reality of it, you know. Yeah. And yet here, uh, what we've got is the Apostle Paul. He turns around and says, "Hey, uh, if I'm actually walking with Christ, if I've got the Holy Spirit, this is what I'm actually going to give you: love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience, kindness, goodness." Who wouldn't want these things, and well, to me, what's even more important, Eric, is to me, this really gives me something to be able to pass on to my children. Mm. That's right,
1: and that character you're talking about here is the character of God. What's been described there is the character of God, yeah. and He He gives us that as a gift uh, that we may change into into having those uh, those fruits of the Spirit. Because I believe, Pastor Gary, with what's happening in the world today, the shaking time is a time where this will be revealed. As a Christian, we will reveal ourselves through these hard times by those very attributes and nothing else, yeah. by the way we treat others, by the way we uh, speak to others. And, and that is what, how Christ walked on the earth, helping and healing and leading people to him.
0: I love what Paul says in Philippians, mm-hmm. you know, let this mind be in you that is mm-hmm. also in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. And, you know, to me, that means it's physically possible to have the mind in you. If Paul says, you know, let this mind be you, it's actually a command. Um, it means that it is actually possible to have the same mind in you because, of course, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in. You actually receive the same mind, the same, the start, the, you start to think the way that Jesus actually thinks. And to me, as I look at this, I say, hey, this is so beautiful because it gives me hope in my life. It gives me the peace that I'm looking for. It gives me the joy. It gives me the hope, the long-suffering, the faithfulness. It gives me something to pass on to my children. Mm. And, you know, to me, as I look at this, I turn around and say, in the world in which I'm living today, you know, our world's being turned on its head. It's being turned upside down. I've had so many people. I was just getting my hair cut, cut today, and I could couldn't believe it, you know, the barber, you know how barbers, you know, well, goodness me, I mean, he he just chatted on and on and on, but it was all about stuff that was happening in our big wide world today, and uh, we're actually getting to the point now where we're going to have spiritual discussions virtually every time I go into his, uh, uh, in to get my hair cut. Uh, but, you know, I am just, to me, as I look at this, I say, hey, our God uh, wants to give us more than this entire, than could possibly be imagined in this world. But look, our time is running out. Let's have prayer together. Father in heaven, Lord, I just want to come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you. Uh, that indeed you are calling us to be a special people. Uh Lord, thank you that you are calling us back uh, to your word, to the scriptures. Uh Lord, thank you that you have promised us a better life. Uh Lord, I just pray for any of our uh, any of our listeners who may be struggling right now. Uh, Lord, I pray if they might be struggling with family, with relationships. Uh, Lord, if they're struggling with, with finance or health. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might be with them, that your hand might rest upon them, that you might touch them, and that you might give them the desire of their heart as they indicate to you right now. Uh, Lord, I just pray uh, that indeed you will powerfully work in their lives. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q and A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Lindy Sperring and uh, ask, "Has culture changed our view of sin and salvation?" Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, "I am leaving you uh, with a with a gift, peace of heart and mind, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives." So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.